From Tally to Cali, it's time to wake up. Warchant.com is your ultimate seminal sports source. And this is Wake Up Warchant, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. One more corner pocket. Now here's Warchant.com's ass on Hunch of Andy and Corey Clark. Wake up! What is up, everybody? It's Wake Up Warchant, presented by the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Coming up on today's show, practice observations. Birdman spotted. Is it RIP for TVD? We talked to Matt Shodell from Kane Sport and the reaction to the latest edition of the college football playoff rankings. Wake Up War Champ, presented by the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill, Tallahassee, Florida. CPTallyBar.com, the website, 2475 Appalachia Parkway. The physical address. Lunch specials, Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. for only $8.99. On Wednesdays, it's the cheesesteak sandwich, steak or chicken. Feel free to make your choice as needed. The photo's got beautiful curly fries next to it, Corey. Uh, the curly, I know you're not a potato guy, not a big potato guy, mm. but I, I assume Steph has dabbled in the curly fries once or twice at the CP? No, I eat the straight fries all the time, Ooh. and I love the straight fries. The curly fries are good, too, uh, but I, you know, their straight fries are... Uh, straight you know, fire? I say some of the... Yeah, straight fire. The mm. straight fries are straight fire, so that's where I dabble. I'm sure the curly fries are curly fire, but... I, I don't I don't I don't really uh, I don't really mess with curly fries too much, but the straight fries are really good. Also, get a little barbecue sauce sometimes and dip it in there. Mm, nice, I like it. I like it. Come on out five o'clock on Friday to the Corner Pocket Bar and mm. Grill for a live happy hour meet and greet with the War Chant crew: Jeff Cameron, Corey Clark, Tom Lang, potential cameo appearances by Gene Williams and myself. Mm. Uh, but definitely Corey, Jeff, Tom, hang out with them, and there will be a competition for. Uh, closest score is that what you guys do like you, you pick the final score prediction yeah. and then yeah, the final score prediction i feel like we sent out the two gift cards we didn't hear back so i'm assuming the two people that uh won the last two times we did it uh received their gift cards so hopefully they've already used them okay yeah there's a couple of people that have won the over under contest and have never claimed their prize so um claim it everybody it's 25 dollars. that's for our members over at Warchant.com. If you're not a member, come on board now. Do it. 50% off. It's the big game special. 50% off a year membership at Warchant.com. So that will carry you through the playoff, national championship, portal, uh, Leonard getting the Knolls back into the dance, Link getting the Knolls back to Omaha, Lonnie getting another ring, mm. um, Penske and the gals maybe the national championship. Come on over. Things are great at Florida State. Things are great at Warchant.com. Again, the big game special. No promo code needed. Just go to Warchant.com. Big old neon green banner. Click on it. Take advantage of it. Come home. Five-star rating review. Thumbs up, please, as well. Corey, let's talk about practice on Tuesday, but let's use the synergy that only you and I have um, because our timing is just impeccable. I get there, and I watch period three, and then you're already perched up atop Dick Hauser Stadium to watch them go live during period four. Although I think they stayed inside. They stayed inside a good bit on Tuesday. And I think that's because, is it because, you know, I don't want paranoia sounds derogatory, derisive. Um, but there's really no reason to be inside. You're playing on grass inside your home stadium. You haven't really done this all year long. So is it Miami's just that much of a scoundrel? They're that much more likely to spy on a practice? Um, or is it, this is just that much more of a tough opponent. So you want to safeguard against everything. Like they didn't do this against Clemson. They didn't, they didn't do this against Duke. Um, I found that interesting. Uh, yeah, I didn't even think about it. 
Okay. I don't know why they did it. Uh, you know, they have had practices this year where they've all been indoors. Uh, not usually when it's a beautiful day. Um, but yeah, no, I don't know. I don't know why they did it. All you, Jim Harbaugh, ruining the sport. Ruining the sport. All right. What do you think? Like, they think Mich- or Miami has, like, drones overhead or something? No, but, you know, just somebody could hang out on that bridge near stadium. Oh, right. Um, I mean, somebody could sneak into Hauser and hang up, you know, hang around there or something. I mean, there's – if you really wanted to, God bless Miss Carol, uh, but not quite, you know – Secret Service out there, but she did shirk somebody away. It was it was funny. Nice enough fella, and he kept asking her questions, and she was very politely answering them. She go, oh, you know, sorry, can't let you in. It's closed. Um, and then I think she just straight was like, "Thanks, thanks for coming out. We'll talk to you later." Just kind of yeah, like yeah. Ra- wrapped yeah. him up. Peace. and was like, "Peace." Yeah, moving on out of here because he was like uh, lingering and loitering around the uh, uh, what you call it, the sod cemetery. So. Mm. Uh, I think he kind of got the clue, but anywho. So anyways, yeah, I'm there period three, and uh, that's the first period of 11 on 11. And the first play, I, I guess we maybe not call it a sack, but the offense did not move the ball at all. Constant pressure down Jordan Travis's neck of the woods. Nobody was open downfield either. The defense won. Very next play, big run by none other than C.J. Campbell. So shout out to you, Jimbo11, who was asking about C.J. Campbell's usage the other day. Yeah. Huge run. Uh, defense, though, bows up, stiffens up, and stuffs him on the very next play. So that's three plays. That big pop by CJ, though, got the offense across midfield. And then two plays after that big run, he gets stuffed. And then the following play, Jordan Travis, 13-14 to 14 for probably about a 35-yard touchdown. Uh, it was a single coverage, man-on-man. Man. I forgot who was in coverage with Johnny, but it was certainly somebody that runs with the ones. And Johnny just, you know showing his physical superiority, making the catch for a touchdown. Yeah. Um, and then after that's, that, that's go ahead. the headline of the day. We don't have to talk about everything that happened to practice. Um, people don't people. I don't know that people really care about the day to day, like the play to play moment of practices in the, you know, now that we're in November, um, they want to know that Johnny Wilson caught a touchdown in period three. Okay. Which would lead people to believe that Johnny Wilson will probably be available hmm. on Saturday. For a rather large game. And all I can say, folks, is uh, he looked like he had really fresh legs. Yes. Um, he looked really good, man. He looked really good. Uh, you, he, he's, you know, you don't see him for a couple of weeks, and then you see him out there with middles trying to cover him. And I'm not acting like he's the best receiver that's ever lived. I'm just saying a six seven guy that moves like that. Um, he always gets two steps on everyone. And the one-on-ones they did, he got open deep every route he ran against, you know, the best that Florida State's got. Um, and you just forget some. I you shouldn't. Maybe you don't. That he is he is just really hard to with because he is so quick for that size, and he is a matchup nightmare. And he looked, uh, let's just say, very healthy and uh, prepared and ready to go for Saturday. Mm, well said. So from that point on they flip field uh, in that 11 11 period three situation and I, I stayed on that side but then the offense was going towards the opposite end zone and I didn't catch it but I, I did see Keziah Holmes busted off a huge run and then Tate Rodemaker finish it off with a touchdown pass in the back of the end zone don't know to who but uh, the second team offense also looked quite crisp again big play by Keziah Holmes uh, getting the ball down the field for that second team offense so period three looked really sharp 
Uh, I went outside to start filming or getting ready to film period five, but they stayed inside for period four. I think they were doing a little bit. Usually period four is like a an inside run drill uh, period rather. Like they're just focusing on running power schemes between the tackles. But they were doing more than that, which is nothing I don't think I remember seeing this season. So uh, all stones being uh, turned over to be ready for this matchup uh, that we're all excited about. Uh, anything else? I know you don't want to maybe go blow by blow, but if you're a member of Warchant.com, you can read all of the observations from Corey Clark over on the Tribal Council as well as Warchant.com right there on the front page. But uh, anything else worth sharing from practice on Tuesday that you like seeing, Corey, or hearing from Coach? Or we we didn't get a lot of questions in with Coach, I, and I'm I'm guilty too, but I, I don't know what I could have asked him. But did, it was like three and a half minutes. Did just nobody ask a question? He was like, "All right, I'm out of here. Thanks, guys. Bye." Yeah, I think it's. I mean, it's it's you know he's obviously one of the most accessible coaches, accessible coaches in the country, and it's like, man, we got him for thirty yesterday, and you know you, it's all we always got to tread lightly when it comes to injury questions. So what were we going to ask him? Like those Tuesdays are always hard mm. because we just talked to him, we watched a two hour practice, and what 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 has happened in the last twenty four hours that we would ask him about that we didn't get a chance to ask him the day before. So like, you know what I mean? Like, right, I think right. it should, you know, so I don't, I don't think it's like, maybe it was just, we ran out of things to ask him. Cause we asked, you know, he talked for uh, 25, 30 minutes on Monday. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I thought practice wise, um, I thought there was a cool moment. It's not a cool moment. I don't know um, if I, if, if that's the correct term for it, but there was a play in scout team where Jaheim Bell got open deep. Um, maybe didn't read it correctly or didn't make the right adjustment on the ball that Norvell would have liked to have seen. In Norvell, it's just the the way the guy is wired. Like he, you know, obviously he loves Jaheim and he's been a big part of this offense. But and it's a scout team play on a Tuesday. Uh, but he starts, you know, not berating him, but you know, just basically saying, make a play, like scream, you know, scream and make a play, make a play. You've got to make that play. Like he was not happy with the kid. It's just that standard that he always has about, especially with a guy like Jaheim, that man, that's the, the, the great ones make that play. And I know you can say, well, it's a, it's a Tuesday, who cares? But his standard is his standard. And he wants to see you make that play on a Tuesday, just like he would want you to see him make it on a Saturday. And the guy you see on the sidelines on Saturday, it just it's another reminder that he's never turned off. It's always like he's always harping on stuff like that from start to finish of every practice. And he's hard on he's hardest on his best guys. Right? Don't you think like he you know, he goes at if Johnny, Keon, Jordan, if they make him a well, he doesn't really scream at Jordan in practice. But all these other guys, he'll he he has no problem telling them what he thinks of them in that moment. Not of them as a person, but of that effort or of that play. He he lets his uh disdain be known. And I, but, but I think they love playing for him. I really do. Have you seen the cinematic recap that Florida state put out? I don't watch him, Corey. It just makes me feel envious. I don't have that access. And then I feel jealous. And then, um, yeah, I don't mm. do. I don't do. Okay. It. I like that. It's a good, good it's like, I don't, I don't listen to headlines cause I know I'm just going to steal ideas from you guys. Right. So. Right. We can't have that. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so I, I like well, that I, I get to say things twice, but it's brand new to you. Um, but you don't, but, uh, do you? Maybe do I need to listen to headlines so I can keep you away from things you already discussed? Oh no, no, I don't. I think there. I don't. I mean, I know there's a crossover of uh, audience. I know people listen to both, but no, man. I, my, my, I, you know, I think I, I, I can only say so many things, so there might be some overlap. 
I can't be original all the time, folks. But anyway, in that cinematic, cinematic recap, after the Trey Benson touchdown run, it's a really cool moment, I think. Um, it may be, I, I don't know. I think it's a snapshot of what this team is, but I might be overselling it. When Trey Benson is running into the end zone for a touchdown, there is a shot of Norvell on the sideline running with him. And then Ja'Kai, who I think might have been in on the play, if not, he had just come off the field. He's he's sprinting down the sideline with Norvell, and he, and he turns around and goes, I love you, man. I love you. And, like, tries to bear hug Norvell. And then they dap up. And it's like, man, that's a really cool thing. Yeah. That's just a really cool thing. Like, and and maybe it's just a a, a one time thing, and maybe I'm I, I'm looking into it too much. But that when when a player reacts like that to a coach, and it's not even a play that Jakai scored on, it, it's a play where his team scored because they have a good coach that can um you know sc- scheme things open. He's a good offensive play caller. It's cool that the players, at least that player, but I know he's not alone, think highly of that coach and. I think it allows them to be coached hard because I think they like he'll scream at Jakai and I, they're on, they're not Jimbo Fisher screams. They're not insults necessarily, but they're it's tough. You know, he's telling them in no uncertain terms, do better. And I think they appreciate that coaching because they, they, they appreciate the person. And that, that, that moment, that one little moment in the cinematic recap where Jakai is telling him he loves him. And uh, in the middle of the game, it's the, Third quarter um, is a. It was just a really cool thing to see, and I like I said, I think that allows Norvell. He knows that they that, that they know he cares about them, and he's a good coach, and he's trying to make them better, and he's trying to win games and make them better players. That I think he they allow themselves to be coached hard. That was a very long-winded way uh, to say I don't have anything else to talk about about practice. <laughs> Valid points, though, and. Um... It's always difficult to wade into these waters, at least for me, um, because I just feel like talent wins. Like I, I, I'll take talent over chemistry like nine times out of ten. But this team has both, which is why they are where they are, and and are going to probably reach the heights, which a lot of people have kind of put out there for them. It just, I could see if they were to fall in the playoff, that's going to be one of the most miserable press conferences we'll ever have to cover. I think they'll be just so crestfallen and hurt because I really think they do believe and they know just how talented they are and that they are legitimate national championship contenders. Same token, if they do win, that's going to be just like one of the most joyous over the top. Like There's going to be so many good national stories that will come out after that, I think, uh, that people will really start taking notice of this program because I still think despite all the the access that Mike Norvell has given anybody out there that wants to cover his program, you know, I still think, you know, Texas and Steve Sarkeesian get more publicity for whatever reason and what Ryan Day has done in Ohio State and Jim Harbaugh, it's still like, you know, all these guys have this kind of pedigree that they've been around, they've been part of national championship teams, they come from successful coaching trees, and then it's like this guy who, you know, really worked himself up from the ground floor at, you know, different group of five programs, Power Five, and then now being a head coach here, um, you know, I really think it'll open everybody's eyes, uh, you know, in an incredible fashion because what he's been able to do, because this is not, this is not normal. We'll have Matt Schodell on the inter- on this program later on, Corey, uh, just talking about some of the hope that Miami fans have right now, ironically, is Mike Norvell because they've seen what he was able to do mm. his first two years 
maybe somewhat parallel to what has happened with Mario down there. But then in year three, 10 wins, year four, you're competing for a playoff spot. And I'm like, yeah, man, that, that sounds good. It is a blueprint, but it, it's not just, you can't just easily replicate it. I think to your point, it's it's the holistic approach, I guess, of just him really caring like hell for these kids. And, and then they pay it back every Saturday, seemingly. Well, and something we talked about on headlines a little bit, too. So another little crossover here, Aslan. I'm going to let you in. It's going to be like you listen to the show anyway <laughs> by the time we're done. Um, you know, I brought up the fact that if you're not willing to be coached hard, and he makes it very clear, he is not, he is not one of these coaches when he recruits. He says one thing and does another. He becomes a different person. He ain't that. And to Jimbo's credit, and Lord knows I, I discredit him a lot, especially here lately, he was the same way with his quarterbacks. Like, he would tell his quarterbacks, look, man, I'm going to coach you really hard. You're not going to like me. But if you do what I say and listen to me, I'll make you a lot of money and we're going to win a lot of games. And he was right. He had, what, four first-round picks in a row uh, dating back to Jamarcus Russell. Like, he had something to sell, but he coached them really hard. Um, And Norvell tells all these guys that. Like, look, it's going to be the hardest thing you ever do. If you don't want to work hard, like really hard, don't come here. And – Everybody says they want to work hard. Everybody thinks they want to do it, but quite clearly it's not cut it's not for, it's not a fit for everybody. And I brought up the people that have left this program in the last year. And how are they doing at their other schools? Like, you know, and some of them have real talent. And it's just like I don't think it's I don't think it's a coincidence that most of the players that have left this program have gone to other schools and not panned out because they're not, I don't know, man, like some, like some of them left because like Trayshawn Ward left because of uh, opportunity, but there are some other guys at other schools that left for, I don't know why. Um, and they get to these other schools. People think they're big names. They're two year starters, three year starters in some cases. And what are, are they made plays in their first two years? And they've done no, very little at those other schools. And so, like, he's he's kind of whittling away at the people that don't buy in 100%, that aren't willing to do that. And he's bringing in Braden Fisk and Jaheim Bell and Morlock and guys like that, and, and obviously Keon. Like, dudes that are willing to do it, right? Like, I don't know that Keon was, was all into blocking at Michigan State. I don't think they, they, they were going to build a statue of him blocking in East Lansing. But he likes to block here. So does Jaheim. Brayden Fisk, man, he's just – he fits this culture perfectly. And if you – again, I've, I've said it before, but if you don't play hard, if you don't bring that energy, if you are kind of a malcontent or a diva, on this team you stand out like a sore thumb. You just stand out, and that's kind of what he's built. We'll see if it lasts because he's going to have to recycle it here very quickly. But right now you just love the culture he's built because all these guys come in and they buy in. And if they don't, they don't play. And they bounce and go somewhere else where they're not very good. I don't want to necessarily defend. I mean, I, I agree with some of the, the sentiment there. I just, I feel like, you know, Duke Cooper was asked to move positions. He tried to be the good soldier and decided he didn't want to do it. His I wasn't really, coach. I also don't think, Duke, I don't think Duke was going to play a lot for this team. Yeah, but I'm he, talking about maybe somebody else on that team. I, know, I think Derek McClendon, Brendan Gant, I think those guys, I mean, they put in the work. Uh, I, I think they left because they wanted more playing time. I, I don't think they left because they didn't like being coached hard. Or they thought Norvell was, you know, uh, not going to, you know, 
put them in the best position to succeed. I just think they probably had people in their corner tell them, hey, go here, play more. Maybe there's something else out there for that's a little bit more lucrative than what you're getting now. I mean, McClendon I don't think started. Any- he started last year. Every game. Play- yeah. And look look at the yeah, but, reps that but- all these guys are getting. He'd be getting those reps that Byron Turner's getting. I know, but he's. I think he's probably getting more at Colorado. But I mean, I mean, may, I, yeah, but it's they're on the field, so may, may, yeah, but it's Colorado. Like he had yeah, a chance to be on a top five team and be a contributor. Maybe he doesn't start in front of Peyton, but he's absolutely in the rotation, and he's an experienced guy, and he bounced. Sam McCall bounced. Yes, that's. I, I think that that was a um, incompatibility between player and coach. I think that was yeah. That yeah, but but I guess it. Is, I, my point is, it's not a coincidence that Sam McCall has struggled mightily at Texas A and M. All right, that's fair. You know that's what fair. I mean? That the, and McClendon has been just eh at Colorado. It's like what what did you expect, dude? Like I I, I don't. It's it's just a good teaching moment for other people that are in that situation. Like yeah, maybe he wanted more. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't like more playing time or more this or more that. But he was going to be a returning starter on a top five football team. All the experience in the world. He'd been through all of it, man. He'd been through the darkness. And this was his time to like be on a great team on the sta- on this stage and challenge for a playoff spot. And he bounced. And it's not worked out for him. And yeah, I've just said, no, I don't no. think that's a coincidence. Now he's only started, he started like 11 games last year. He started like 12 out of the 13. And he's only started two, Colorado. Yeah, I mean, he would have been a nice piece on this defense, man. Yeah, he was I a, like he was, a, he was a decent player. I like Derek. But he left. All right, um, there we go. That's what happened at practice. Uh, let's get some insight into what's been going on down in Miami with Matt Shodell, managing editor of Kane Sport. But first, don't forget our good friends over at Vitamin Energy, giving you the energy to get through your day with a one simple shot that's not even two fluid ounces. I had 130 milligrams of all-natural caffeine the other day, Corey. I was like, man... Tuesday mornings, practice. These are tough ones. Got to still go work out, though, man. Got to get up and go. I forgot to take my vitamin energy, but I had some in the console of my car. Again, they're portable. You can, I have them stowed all across my orbit in life, Corey. Like some in the car, some in the gym bag, some in my camera bag, nightstand, anywhere. Took it, crushed the box jump. Some some gentleman was like, that's amazing what you just did. I'm like, ah, it's not, it's not that really. It's not that cool. He's like, oh, it's, it's, it's incredible. I thought you were just setting up the boxes to like put your drink on it. I didn't know you were going to jump on top of it. I'm like, yeah, man, vitaminergy.com. Use the promo code WordChampBogo, sir. WordChamp, B-O-G-O, buy one, get one free. We'll see if he uh, heeds my advice. Who knows? You should heed my advice, everybody. Vitamin It's energy with benefits. Shake it and take it. Vitamin Promo code is WordChampBogo, B-O-G-O. Let's talk Canes right after this. Welcome back into Wake Up War Champ, presented by the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. As advertised, we got a Miami Insider with us. We got Kane Sport Managing Editor Matt Shodell joining us. Matt, you've been in the game for a minute. I remember even back in the Rivals days, like when I was, I don't want to age you, but like when I was in school, I feel like you were covering the Canes, man. You've seen it all. How are things? Yeah, I don't think we're still allowed to <laughs> say the word rivals. And, uh, oh, yeah. Sorry. You know, it's, it's, it's nice your show is called Wake Up War Chant because I think a lot of Miami fans would hope that the Miami program will wake up. At some point, uh, you guys better hope it's not this weekend. <laughs> not bullish? Not bullish these days down there in Coral Gables? Um, I mean, you know, most, most people ask how I'm doing. I say not very good. You know, it's not fun covering a team that's had one 10-win season since 2003. 
you guys were there, right? You know what it was like. Mike Norvell's first two seasons are basically where Mario Cristobal's first two seasons are. And the only hope we have right now, sadly enough, comes from Mike Norvell because after those first two awful seasons, he won 10 games, and now you guys are going to start 9-1. and one. So that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a blueprint. I don't know how easy it is to follow. Um, I'm sure you, missed, you missed the starting 9-1. and one. It was a joke, but... Yeah, well. Well, hey, Matt, I mean, I don't know how much yeah. we know about quarterback, but can can you answer me this? Um, where has Ja'Curry been amidst everything that's gone on at the quarterback position? Obviously, we know Tyler was injured, um, and then Emory Williams is the guy who stepped in and, and knocked off Clemson for the Canes. Um, but it sounds like maybe the page could be turning on Tyler Van Dyke, which sounds crazy because this kid was legitimately a first-round uh, projected NFL pick two years ago. Uh, where is Miami at right now at the quarterback spot, do you think, Matt? Yeah, it's not a, a very good place. Uh, Tyler, I don't know how much Florida State fans know about Tyler's history, but two years ago, he took over for Derek King and was the ACC Offensive Rookie of the Year, and he was amazing. And then entering his second year, he was projected, like you said, as a first-round NFL potential pick, and he just struggled to start the season and had a couple of really good games and then he got hurt and basically was out for the rest of the year last year. And then this year starts and he throws, I think it was five touchdowns against Texas A&M, almost 400 yards. Everyone's all excited again. And then the last four games he's played, he's throwing 10 interceptions, lost a fumble, should have probably thrown one other interception that was dropped. And Miami fans don't want to see Tyler Van Dyke anymore. They, they are done with him. The inconsistency of the last two years of his play in particular uh, when you have a really good offensive line this year, a really good running back situation, a defense that's playing probably the best we've seen here in a while, it makes fans just basically blame one guy, and that guy is Tyler Van Dyke. Now, if Florida State wasn't 9-0 and ranked number four in the country, I would say it's more likely that you would see a different quarterback starting in this game. But because it's Florida State you don't want to ruin a true freshman like Emory Williams in his, in his first road start and have him just depressed the whole rest of the off season, thinking back to it, uh, which leaves you, like you said, with Jakari Brown, who is a really good dual threat quarterback when he's at his best, but he's just never been at his best because he did get some starts last year. Couldn't throw passes on target. Couldn't seem to really grasp, the offense before some, but beyond some really simplistic plays. And then there was some hope that this off season, he would figure out the accuracy problems. But again, in fall camp, he just couldn't throw on target. You know, he'd miss the net. Like you guys know in practice, right? You throw the ball at the net. He would miss the net. Oh, there was a, a story. Uh, one of the reporters I'm friends with told me that there was a kid's camp over the summer and they asked Jakari to demonstrate throwing into the net and he missed the net. And not only did he miss the net, he hit like a five-year-old in the face with the pass. I mean, so is this the guy that should start against Florida State either? Miami just is not in a good position with the quarterback situation, which makes me think that no matter who's a quarterback, Miami's going to come out very conservative with a very short passing game and a lot of running because Miami's strength now is its offensive line and rushing attack. And it's, it's been so boring watching these last five games for Miami Hurricanes fans. Because all they do is run up the middle, run up the middle. If it's third and two, they'll run up the middle again. If it's third and three or longer, they'll throw a short pass. And then every five or ten passes, they'll just take a deep shot down the sideline to keep the defense honest. 
and then go back to running up the middle. It's an awful experience right now <laughs> to, to watch the Miami Hurricanes offense. Uh, now, is there enough pressure taken off with basically the ACC title out of hand that Shannon Dawson, the new coordinator, is going to say, hey, I'm just running my offense. If Tyler throws 10 interceptions, if Jakari's the guy and throws 10 interceptions, if Emery Williams is going to have his future ruined, I'm just going to try to do what I can do and see what happens. I don't know because the offense he's run the last five games is not a hybrid air raid offense that we saw him run at Houston. And he literally said this week on Monday that never in his career has he ever had a problem with the passing game. The issues he's always had is in the run game. And now it's flip-flopped and he's not quite sure how to solve it. <laughs> um, so I don't know if FSU is catching Miami at the right time or the exact wrong time because it's an angry team. It's a team that I think is going to maybe try to do things a lot differently because what they've done for five games now in offense has totally failed. Uh, if they do try to do something totally different, it may catch Florida State on its heels a little bit when Florida State's on defense. And that it really, to me, is the only way Miami has a chance to stay in this game. So, you know, for, from a Miami fan perspective, you hope that Shannon Dawson will just let it fly and whatever happens, happens. Is the buy-in still there? Like, is this a team that you think is still going to come out and fight for 60 minutes on Saturday? Well, if you asked me this at the same time of last season, I would have said absolutely not. They want to go enjoy dinner after the game, you know. This is a different team than the team you guys blew out last season. There's if there's one thing that can be said in terms of progress this year, and yeah, last year they were five and seven. Right now they're six and three, and you know, a hair away from seven and two, except for Mario Cristobal not taking a knee against Georgia Tech, but that's yeah. a whole different story. Uh, but but what you can hang your hat on with this team isn't really that it's a much better team personnel-wise. It's it's a little better with some some good freshmen that are really helping contribute, uh, including Mark Fletcher. You guys are going to be very impressed with him, the new running back. But the difference to me is the buy-in. The difference to me is the culture of the team. The difference to me is that the players that Miami has that Mario Cristobal kept, and they jettisoned, I think, 41 guys since Mario's gotten here, he got rid of all the guys who didn't want to battle and fight and go through those hard summer days in his program. The guys that are left are guys that will play their hearts out. Now they may not do it very well, but they will not quit. That's for sure. Is this offensive line, everything it's kind of been cracked up to be here, Matt. I mean, I, I know they addressed it quite well. Got a guy like Matt Lee. We spoke to him at ACC kickoff. Seems like a really great guy. Uh, Javian Cohen from Alabama. Is it one of those things where, you know, you look at the stats and in the games where they can't run the ball effectively, whether it's North Carolina or last week against North Carolina State, the run game comes up short. Um, you know, just how much of that falls on maybe them being too one-dimensional and it's not fair for this running game to get going in those sort of situations? and Or how much of it is that you guys still do believe in this offensive line? Well, the offensive line is 100% better than last year's offensive line. Uh, for, for Florida State fans that don't really follow the Miami program, I mean, it's a totally reshaped offensive line. There's there's three new starters, and one of the guys was a true freshman last year who's now playing much better in his second year. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it, this is a, a totally different group, a really, really good offensive line, probably the best offensive line I've been telling people, honestly, since the early 2000s. Uh, across the board, these, these five starters are excellent. Now, what they excel in is, sadly, pass protection because – and this team's only allowed 11 sacks in nine games. The quarterback has not been hit – or pressured very often. As a matter of fact, Tyler Van Dyke's three interceptions in the last game, if you believe in pro football focus metrics, which some people don't, but if you do believe in those metrics, he was not pressured on a single one of those three interceptions. Uh, so the problem really isn't the offensive line, but if the offensive line does struggle with something, it's actually run blocking, believe it or not. Even though Miami's strength is running the football, 
if you look at Mark Fletcher's, again, pro football football, pro football focus analytics from last weekend, for instance, he ran for 115 yards on 23 carries, which is great. But 90 of those yards came after contact. He averaged almost four yards a carry after contact. Uh, now, NC State's a very good defensive front against the run. Hmm. So that's somewhat to be expected. But it just shows Miami against a good defensive front didn't really blow them back. And to me, one of the most interesting aspects of this game is going to be the, the Florida State defensive pressure. Because you got Jared Verse. Uh, you got so many guys on a defensive front that can get pass pressure against a really good pass-protecting line. Uh, so to me, that's going to be a really interesting aspect to watch in this game because I don't think Florida State's going to be able to totally shut down Miami's run game either. But if Miami can't pass, it's not going to matter. Defensively for Miami, I mean, you mentioned you think the defenses look significantly better than, than years past. Obviously, we know about Leonard Taylor. You know, Ruben Bain's a guy that's come on as a true freshman that Florida State was heavily involved in, and that was a, a, a bit of a heartbreak to lose out to him. What has Lance Gidry been able to do? Um, there's clearly talent on this side of the ball, but it seems like, you know, Mike Norvell is so meticulous and, you know, maniacal about the way he calls a game that he sets so many things up to kind of take advantage of, of over-aggressiveness and maybe teams that aren't disciplined defensively. Do you think Miami can find a balance of playing with the proper level of aggression, but also not falling prey and, and falling, you know, into the traps of the screen plays and the, and the sort of short yards dink and dunk that Mike Norvell's been able to capitalize on here the last few weeks? Yeah, that's a great question, and that really is going to be the key. But this isn't the same undisciplined Miami defense that I've seen for over a decade where they just make mental errors all over the place, miss tackles all over the place. Somehow, even without great personnel on defense, because you mentioned Leonard Taylor, he's he hasn't even played well. You know, He was projected by some people before the year as a, as a first-round NFL draft pick. Now he's probably got to come back. Uh, Ruben Bain has been the best defensive lineman, and he's a true freshman, <laughs> okay? Uh, the linebacker level, the best linebacker we have is a Washington State transfer who was above average at Washington State, and he's, he's been their best linebacker at Miami. That tells you something, too. In the secondary, the corners are just okay in coverage, nothing special, and they have two really great safeties in Cam Kinchins and James Williams. James Williams, in particular, is probably the best player on defense right now, playing, to me, at an All-American level or close to it. But really what's helped this defense thrive is a scheme that Miami's never used before and which most ACC opponents haven't seen and nobody's really been able to figure it out yet. Like, whereas on offense, where Shannon Dawson, the new offensive coordinator at Miami, after the Texas A&M game, starting the ACC play, opponents started to figure out what he was doing and they started taking away the middle of the field, which is where he loves to throw the ball. Quick hitters over the middle and things like that. When they took that away, he never was able to adjust, and they haven't adjusted since. He hasn't been able to get anything going in the passing game since they started covering Xavier Restrepo and taking away the middle. On defense, though, for Miami, Lance Gidry is doing different things every week, specifically for opponents. So I can't even tell you <laughs> what it's going to look like against Florida State. What he's going to do is he's going to look at, at Mike Norvell and what Florida State likes to do and come up with something to stop that. I mean, to give you an idea, he turned his, and it's considered um, – he doesn't run a 4-3. He, what, what he really runs is, is it's considered really a 5-2 front. But he ran a 3-3 stack a few weeks ago. He turned his entire defense into a 3-3 stack in a one-week preparation time frame, which tells you that this is an unpredictable defense. He will put people in position that he thinks can make plays against certain offenses. And with him, it really is a chess match. You know, Miami's offense just says, here's what we're going to do. You try to stop it. We're not going to do anything different because we don't think you can stop us. And then everyone keeps stopping them. 
Miami's defense says, okay, we're not that good personnel-wise. We have to scheme up stuff based on what this opponent is doing. And if Mike Norvell thinks that what he's been running well consistently is just going to be something he can keep running against Miami, that's where Florida State's offense might get in trouble. Because, for instance, last week, last week against NC State, when NC State ran what it normally runs, they did nothing. It's when they had a package of plays they hadn't shown previously. Um, that's when they were really, and some of it was misdirection, but that's really when they were able to get big plays going and have a final 97-yard drive to put that game away. So it's going to be very interesting. If, if Mike Norvell doesn't recognize that he needs to do something differently against a Miami defense that's, that's very good but not great, then he may not, you know, then Florida State may not get a ton of points. And it could be a game into the fourth quarter. I mean, all Miami wants right now is to not lose by 40 points, you know, <laughs> be competitive. If Miami can be in this game in the fourth quarter, Hurricanes fans will be very happy with that based on what's happened here for 20 years, based on what happened to Miami this past weekend when the team scored six points. Uh, you know, that that's the goal of this Miami team is to be in the game in the fourth quarter. Mike Norvell called it one of our nation's best games. And uh, one side of the rivalry, just, just hoping to get into the fourth quarter and keep it close. Uh, it's the truth. I, it's the truth. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I can make it up and say Miami's going to win. Everyone thinks here that, that they're going to win. That's not the truth. You know, Florida State's in a much different position than Miami's right now. It would be a disservice to the institution of college football to say that's not the case. Now, will Miami be catching up to Florida State in the future? As a reporter covering Miami and knowing what I know about this series, having been a reporter covering Miami and Florida State games since 2001, I will tell you, I think Miami is on an upward trend. And I think in a couple of years, I've been, you know, we have our own morning show, believe it or not. I've been saying on that morning show that, and I, by the way, I predicted seven to eight wins for Miami before this season. But I did say also that I think Miami's a 10-win team next year. And I think it's a playoff team in 2025, just because you can see the direction with the recruiting. Now, Miami has not hit the portal the way Florida State has with the same success at all. That's been the real problem. But recruiting-wise, when those guys get a little bit older, this, this is going to be a, a series that, again, we'll be saying could be anybody's game, toss-up game, maybe even a game that will determine the national championship like it used to be in the good old days, right? Yeah. Well, you never know. Next year, 12-team playoff. You win 10 games next year. You, you might be able to sneak your way into the playoff there somehow. Uh, last thing on the way out here, Matt, you know, I don't I don't jump into the message boards, but I, I see it from time to time. I do see stuff on Twitter from time to time, just people kind of talking about the demise of of Mario Cristobal. I think it's mainly people outside the Miami family, but from management or, you know, administration, I guess maybe the more accurate term. I mean, is there still a belief that, that Mario is the right guy and he is recruiting, I guess the high school level well enough that provided he has enough time and he'll be given the time that, that he can get this thing fixed. Or does it feel, is there anxiety about just how maybe slow it's coming along right now? Well, inside the building, I don't think there's any doubt that they made the right hire, because if there was doubt, it would be a disaster. <laughs> um, and quite frankly, the outside noise right now isn't about Mario Cristobal. Shockingly, it's not even that much about the offensive coordinator. It's about the quarterback. Mm -hmm. the, all the, for some reason, all the blame, every single iota of blame has come down on Tyler Van Dyke's head. Now, part of it is, as Florida State fans know, Miami was built on swagger. Miami was built on emotion. Miami was built on guys who will do anything and everything to win a game. Uh, and if you watch Tyler Van Dyke, how he plays and his demeanor, he appears to be ambivalent. There's really no facial features, no 
recognition or excitement that is discernible. Uh, you know, for for fans of Daniel Jones, he's a level down from Daniel Jones's <laughs> level of excitement. You know, I mean, it's it's just this this placid. Um, you know, almost know, but if you're throwing touchdowns, nobody would care about this stuff. <laughs> Correct. Though, right, but but if you're playing badly and you've got a yoga like Zen to you, that's yeah. not for Miami fans, man. They don't yeah. like that. And that has not helped his cause either. You know, if he was visibly upset and visibly frustrated, I think fans would actually be happier mm-hmm. <laughs> seeing him upset after throwing interception after interception these last four games he's played. But he's just very it's just the way he is. He's just he's just not built like that traditional Miami in your face you know, uh, emotional guy. And that has not helped his cause either. So yeah, the quarterback, it, it would not shock me if Miami plays more than one quarterback against Florida state. And, and I'm sure Florida state's preparing for all three of those guys. Cause they may see even all three of them. <laughs> it's just anything and everything has happened in this series can happen in the series. And that's why I will never say that Florida state is going to win this game because you never know in the series, the craziness that can happen. That's what this rivalry is built upon. And if Florida state, thinks that they're going to come into this game and just waltz away with an easy win. Because when you look on film, that's what it seems like should happen. When you look at records the last two years, that's what it seems should happen. When you look at transfer portal success, it seems like that's what should happen. Well, what happens in this series is things that you never expect to happen. So if I was a Florida State fan, I'm going into this game just 50-50. Could go either way. Because that's just the way this series has always been and always gone. Um so, you know, it's 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 going to be really interesting come Saturday to see if Miami can rebound against their biggest opponent and a, a team in the top five in the country, right? Wouldn't, wouldn't that be astounding, but never rule it out. All that said, you want to give us a prediction on your way out about the score total and Florida State's <laughs> win? Uh, listen, just based on reality and based on paper, Florida State wins by three touchdowns. Based on the series history... And based what I know has happened that I've covered over these 20, 30 years uh, of watching this series, I think Florida State wins by one point. Okay. All right. There you go. Matt, Matt Shodell, <laughs> managing editor of Kane Sport, going out there on the, on the limbs for us. We appreciate the heck guy. Thanks, Matt. Sure thing. So, Corey, I, the biggest sort of takeaway, the two biggest takeaways from the interview with Matt Shodell, again, thanks to him over at Kane Sport. I think we'll have either him or Gary on the war chair report powered by Cummins. So we'll get some mm. even further insight into the Miami program. The, the two biggest takeaways I think for me were seemingly the fan bases content. I don't know. That's not the right word here. Contempt? But no. Yeah. That's probably the, the correct word, but seemingly everybody's cool with what Miami has become here. Other than the play of Tyler Van Dyke, like Tyler Van Dyke now has seemingly become the scapegoat for their struggles here of late. And I was always of the belief that like he was the one, you know, that was their lone sliver of hope coming into this season was that like new offensive coordinator, get him right. We'll be okay. And it played out that way for about the first four or five weeks. But now that he's been slumping seemingly this, this fan base and maybe even in some ways his coaching staff has kind of given up on him, which to me sounds crazy because of just how much potential he had not only, you know, not even two whole years ago. Yeah, man, it seems like there's been a, a, a fracture there. Um, certainly friction, but I think it, it, you know, the way it looked on Saturday in Raleigh, it looked like it, it, that was the end of the road. Like it was just, that looked like a rock bottom moment. The time where he kind of sacks himself and just crumples down. There's, you know, he, there's nobody there. He has, he has a pocket. He can roll to the left and he just falls down and then takes forever to get back up. And it's like, okay, man, this is uh uh, this is broken. 
and uh, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I know last year he played when he shouldn't have. Um, I think he might against them still, which is to be fair. Like he had no business playing in that Florida State game last year. None. He could barely move. It was obvious he didn't want to be out there. He didn't think he should be out there. And I kind of get the feeling it, he it might be happening again. Like he doesn't look right. And I know he was hurt. He missed the Clemson game. Since he's come back, he's been awful. So he might still be injured. And he probably doesn't appreciate that they put him out there because he's the only real option they have. Um, and so, yeah, man, I, I, I guess there's there just seems to be – it's not a love fest there between that quarterback and that and that coaching staff. And um, Which, you know, two years ago when they were coming into Doak, he was talked about as a first-round pick. Yeah. He's making all the throws. He's thrown for 400-something yards a game and and looked incredible. And then kind of really ever since that game, uh, he has been uh, average at best, at best. And this year he's been less than average. And, yeah, it, it's, it's odd that he's regressed. I do think injuries play a role. And then when you play hurt and don't play well and the fan base kind of uh, rallies against you, your confidence obviously dips. Jordan Travis didn't have a ton of confidence after the Notre Dame Jacksonville State games last uh, two two years ago. Mm. He was being booed in Doak, um, and so but he was able to rebuild his confidence, and now obviously he is what he is. It doesn't seem like that's going the same. I don't see Tyler Van Dyke on that same trajectory. Yeah, different arc, clearly. And it's uh, it's interesting because what do you do if you're Cristobal? You know, I, I think we, we, we talk about, and obviously this is a Florida State-centric show, so we'll, we focus more on Florida State's issues or, or question marks going into a game, and the wide receivers being healthy is the biggest storyline this week for Florida State. But the opposing quarterback is a pretty big storyline too. And the fact that Cristobal didn't come out and say for sure, hey, Van Dyke's my guy, he's starting, didn't give him that voted vote of confidence, probably didn't rub Van Dyke the right way either. Like, all right, man, then play the freshman, mm. the redshirt freshman, or this true freshman that played against Clemson. Go for it, man. Good luck. And so I, I just wonder what what that what that room is like, what that uh, what the whole vibe is there. But that's going to be the storyline this week: is Van Dyke going to play? Yeah. You know, and uh, you know, I I don't know if it's if it's better or worse for Miami if he plays. You know, I think he gives them the best chance. Because he has hit big throws. He has made plays in college football. Um, he has proven he can do it. But, man, that seems so long ago at this point. And yeah. the guy that was slinging it around in 2021 isn't this guy. So can you win with this guy is what Cristobal has to be asking. That's his job. That's why he gets paid millions of dollars is to figure out who his quarterback is. But at the same, on the flip side, is the option of playing a freshman, a true freshman, in his first road game, in Doak, in a sold-out crowd against the number four team in the country, is that your best chance to win a game? And I don't know. Clearly, they don't have a great chance to win this game. That's why they're 15-point underdogs. But who gives you your best chance? Mm. And what are you, what's what's better for the future of the program? To continue to play Van Dyke or try to build with this kid? I don't know. And apparently, Ja'Curry Brown is just wildly inaccurate. Uh, Shodell relayed a anecdote about... Like, you know, that net with the two, like the three holes in it that the yeah, quarterbacks yeah. throw to, like he literally has missed that numerous times on occasion. And apparently once missed it so bad, he, he hit a bystander that was watching like a, a camp practice. Okay. 
All right. So, but he can move. That's he can run a little bit. That's, that's where Jacurry Brown is, everybody. Because yeah, it's crazy. Like they're having all these troubles. Everyone's like, "Free Jacurry Brown." I'm like, "Yeah." Like, why isn't he playing? Like, he has not played one single snap this year. He was, you know, next in line last year when Tyler Van Dyke went down, and he's like, "Yeah, man." He just uh, has no accuracy. It's like, well, they right. want to redshirt him. I know, but I mean, I look. mean. That's a weird thing, too. Like, MJ Morris and Raleigh now is apparently going to redshirt with however many weeks left in this season. Like, for what? You're not going to play four years? Like, I don't know. Anyhow, sorry to do yeah, that. Yeah, I, I, I saw that. I don't know if he's – like, if he redshirts and then leaves that program, holy moly, is that I, – I just – I would – like, I don't like it either way. Like, he's their starting quarterback. Yeah. And they're six and three, right? They just beat Miami. They have a chance to get to eight or nine wins. He's the starting quarterback. Why would you choose to redshirt? For what purpose? It doesn't. It, it doesn't make sense. Is he because he? You know, they, he feels like he was rushed last year. They had to burn his redshirt last year, so they owe him a redshirt. But you're the starting quarterback, and you could start there for two more years. Why wouldn't you just play the rest of the season? I and if he's gonna go, if he's leaving to go get go somewhere else. If he's telling him he's redshirting so he can transfer, he would not be allowed in my locker room. And I know I'm an old fogey, but get out, miss me with all that, man. All these guys that you've been practicing. Well, how would you know? You wouldn't wouldn't know until it was too late though, right? Are you talking about like the the future coach? Like, oh, you, you redshirt so you could put yourself on the transfer market. Like, I have no room for you in my program. Oh no, I absolutely like that. But I was talking about Doran. Oh, right. like, but I'm also talking about that. Like I would not ne- I just, I wouldn't want somebody like that in my locker room. Like the, whoever, if he was, if he quit on his team with three games left, including I think a couple against rivals in a bowl game, then, then I would be like, man, I don't know if that's the kind of, that that's the mindset I want in my locker room. Mm. You know, I, I just don't need that. Uh, so that, 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 I don't know, man. It, it ain't like he's uh, Russell Wilson. Yeah. He ain't, it ain't like they're winning because of him. They ain't very good. Their offense is horrible. Um, so, all right, man. I, so, I don't know if he's redshirting. The NC State kid I'm talking about. I don't know if right, he's redshirting right. because uh, he just wants two more years with better offense at NC State. They're bringing him more weapons. And he doesn't want to lose this year when he's going to play three more after this. I mean, what, what kind of thinking is this? Yeah. Um, or he wants to transfer. But – Obviously, Doran knows the answer. Like, that has to be a conversation. Our starting quarterback is just sitting out the rest of the season. Well, all right, are you are you going to be here, MJ? What what? And if he says, I don't know, you're like, all right, well, you're out of my locker room. Ooh. You're not around this team anymore. Mm. That would be how I handled it, but I know I'm an old fogey, and it's college football is a, a, new, a new and brave world out here. Yeah, they but got Wake, back Virginia to Jacur- Tech, and North Carolina. By yeah, way. man, North Carolina. That's the one you want to play in. Play against that defense for sure. You could actually score some points. But uh, back to Ja'Curry Brown or uh, who's the other kid? The kid from Milton? Emery uh, Williams. Emery Williams. Yeah, man, I just don't know. Like, Miami's going to throw everything at this game. They they certainly can't continue to run the offense they've run the last few weeks with Van Dyke. So maybe there's more Wildcat with some of their really talented skill players. Maybe you, you play these freshmen and just try to run the ball and punt. Uh, and hopefully your run game and so you have some play action passes. I just, I, if Van Dyke is, if his confidence is shot or he doesn't trust the coaches or he doesn't want to be out there, it's just a tough predicament to be in, man. But it's a predicament of their own making. Um, the way they handled him last year, the fact that they had him handing off, I mean, it's still, I still go back to the Georgia Tech game. 
You know, that that crushes a team's belief in their coaching staff. Crushes it. So maybe Van Dyke's like, I don't want to deal with this. You guys lost you guys lost more games than I have for you. Um, so, I, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I, it's, but it's going to be fascinating what they do and how if Van Dyke plays how he plays. Because maybe he's like, here goes nothing. Here goes nothing. I'm going to just fling it all over the field because who cares? Let's talk playoff rankings. Irish show fell and myself from last night's program that coming up next, or that is coming up next rather here on the program. But hey, over my bookie.ag, there's all sorts of things going on. Live betting, live casino, future bets. It's all out there. Use the promo code WARCHANT. When you go to mybookie.ag, you'll get an instant cash deposit bonus. That's pretty cool. Uh, national championship odds. Michigan plus 220, Georgia plus 260, Florida State plus 600. Okay. I was like plus 2100 when it went off the start of the season when we told everybody to get in on it. We tried. We tried, everybody. Yeah, tried to tell you guys. We tried to tell you guys. Uh, tomorrow we'll make our picks in our ongoing annual battle here. Um, that'll be fun. Let's see if there's another game here to to throw your way. What do you think about is Dabo back back? Uh, Clemson at home, giving out 14 and a half against Brent Key and the Jackets. The Rams That's a 14-point spread? 14 and a half in the hook. Oh man! Well, I'm not, I don't want to give away my bets already. Oh, right, right. That's for tomorrow, but I will be betting on that game, and it okay. won't be with Dabo. <laughs> not to give it. I mean, that's a lot of points. Yeah. Georgia Tech's found something, man. Old Haynes King just slicing up defenses, running right through them. Yeah. Just throwing that out there. Uh, how about this one? What do you think about Michigan giving out five in Happy Valley against Penn State? Yeah, man, until Franklin proves he can win one of these games, I'm not betting on his team. So I, I would stay away from that one. But if I was going to bet, it would be taking Michigan, giving away the points. All right, there you go. Tomorrow, though, it's when the it's when the rubber meets the road. The real picks are made. Mm-hmm. MyBookie.ag, use that promo code WARCHAN. Irish Ophel, myself, Gene Williams, others discussing Florida State's position in the college football playoff from last night. Coming up right after this. Oh, top six will be revealed here shortly. Um, I think that's going to hold serve. I, I cannot imagine Florida State would get jumped by Washington. Uh, I'm not going to lose my mind over, but I would not be all that excited. But I still think it's probably going to be Oregon, Washington, and then we'll go Florida State. Oregon at number six. Are they? All right. So there we go. Uh, the number one, one loss team in the country. Uh, you know, they lost to Washington, but it was in Husky Stadium. And everyone seemingly thinks that Oregon is a more complete team, seems to play both sides of the football a little bit more sound than Washington, who. Uh, defensively, maybe not all that stout and had some kind of ugly wins against Arizona and Arizona State and Stanford. They had, you know, they, they limped the last, you know, for the last three weeks. I'm going to give them credit for the win against USC. I know that USC defense is nothing impressive at all, but Caleb Williams on offense always going to give you a little bit of a scare. So the fact they were able to go, go into the Coliseum and get that win, I still think is uh, worth tipping your cap to. But yeah, they got the bracket up. And as you said, uh, Ira, Oregon checking in at number six. Uh, and we're going to have to save our outrage for another week, Aslan. You're not mm. going to get my outrage. Got the Huskies at number five. There we go. Washington at number five. Uh, inside track of uh, the Pac-12 championship game where if uh, things hold serve, they would then play again. Oregon, who is, uh, as you see, everybody or know, is number six here in the country. Uh, remaining schedule for Washington, as Ira pointed out again. They've got Utah this week, then Oregon State, and then the Apple Cup at home to close things out against Washington State uh, to close out their slate. And we got the Knowles, still number four. Florida State number four. This is going to be pretty cool. We can probably use the same graphic uh, from last week, I would imagine. Uh, Michigan, 
Michigan number three. Yep, that's what it was last week as well. So, so you think uh, the only drama is Georgia or Ohio State? I, I could see Georgia jumping them, but it's only one ranked win, and Ohio State's got two. So I'd, I'd be a little bit mildly surprised if it were to work out that way. Um, but yeah, but Florida you, State four. But Michigan also, three. but going back to uh, the earlier comment or uh, Gator Kirk's earlier comment that's for TV, I feel like you got to jumble something up. You got to make people give people a reason to keep watching from week to week. Hmm. If you just go back with the. Uh, the same order every week, then people are going to get bored with it. Uh, BC, B Sizzle, has an undefeated Power 5 champ ever been left out of the playoff? No. And apparently a one-loss Power 5 champ has never been left out of the playoff either. Hmm. I saw that somewhere. Um, but yeah, undefeated Power 5 champ has not been left out. So uh, remember, Michigan and Ohio State are both ahead of Florida State. They're going to play each other. So one of them is going to drop and fall behind Florida State after said loss so. and there's they're standing pat ohio state number one georgia number two all right there we go there we go so there's our um boom look at that recycled almost had it ready for you folks ohio state one georgia two michigan three florida state four uh i if the season ended right now that's the team i'd want to play if i was florida state i'd want to play ohio state the washington thing would have pissed me off just because man that usc team is not impressive they're kind of in a tailspin how would that win have been enough to push you over when Florida and Florida State got would get penalized for winning a game on the road with five wide receivers out? Looks like yeah. uh, Gene has arrived. Yeah, let's uh, let's get Gene on in here, the founder and administrator of WarChant.com, joining us here live on the playoff reaction show. Hit the thumbs up, everybody. We certainly would appreciate it. Uh, Gene's seen these polls. It's been a while, obviously, since Florida State's been in the thick of all this, but. Uh, Things holding steady for Florida State, remaining undefeated, remaining at number four, standing pat. Gene, your thoughts on the second revelation here of the college football playoff poll in 2023? Well, I was bummed I had to put away my soapbox, man. I had it all warmed up. I was going to come up here. I was just like, you know, I was so angry because you saw that CBS uh, yeah. poll earlier. They had Washington pick number four, and I had all my things, arguments ready to go to blast the committee. Darn it. No drama. What's up with this? And I, you know, I know Gator Kirk made that comment earlier. I figured for sure they're going to do something to shake it up. I mean, what excitement is this? So, but well, you know, we'll keep tuning in every week just to see what they're going to do. But, you know, I, I think, and I already made the point too about what bothered me, what was the biggest thing was going to be to bother me that they played a USC team, you know, it's relatively obviously back and forth close to the end. It is not a good USC team, but they've got. The number one draft pick on the team. They got name recognition. You know, there's another team that had a close game against Florida State that they were penalized for playing, and that's Boston College, another three-loss team. But for some reason, everybody's forgot that it was, oh, that was such a bad game by Florida State. Well, BC's actually pretty darn good now. So, right. uh, you know, you, you got to look at stuff like that. And I'm still mad at the whole thing. I would have gone off, too, on Washington. That Arizona State game, you cannot discount that. They did not score an offensive touchdown. They were losing to Arizona yeah. State. I looked at one of the power rankings. Arizona State's in the hundreds. I mean, that is a real, yeah. that's a two-win team. That is a really bad team to roll in to Washington. But I've not heard them mention that once on any of these shows. Nobody brings that up. That was a horrible performance by them. They should have lost to a really bad team. Uh, but, it, you know, as things stand, I guess more or less they got it right. FSU's in control of their own destiny. Even if they were five, I was still going to try to, you know, put it out there. It doesn't really matter at the end of the day. You win your games, you're in. There's, I don't see any scenario where they could possibly, Florida State's undefeated, 
wins the ACC, especially it was good to see Louisville up to number 11. Um, and I think that's, I think that's justifiable. I don't know if you guys talked about yeah. that, but I think that's a real, that's justifiable. And I think if they win out, I mean, what are they going to be? Seven, six, seven, something like that. If they keep right. winning their games in that ACC championship game, that's going to look a hell of a lot better than whoever Ohio state Michigan plays in the big 10 championship. That's for sure. Yeah. It's a weird, I mean, that's the thing. I think the fear that some Florida state fans have, and part of it is, you know, you just, you know, some of it is the team's nine and zero. You got to figure out something to kind of worry about. You know, people have to figure out something to be concerned about. So I think there's a fear that, you know, if Ohio State Michigan play to a basically a one point game or just basically it's a, it could go either way, and they that they, and one of them wins by basically one point or two points, or Alabama continues to look good and steamrolls Georgia or something crazy like that, could they get vaulted by a one loss team and left out? It, it, especially if they don't look good in these last few games where Florida and Miami are both going to end up with maybe four or five, maybe six losses. That That's the, the doomsday scenario, but I'm with you. I just don't think there's any scenario where that's going to happen, where Florida State would get passed by a one-loss one, one loss yeah. team. And undefeated. I mean, an undefeated. And in all those scenarios are the one thing about those, no matter what it is, I mean – Michigan, Ohio State, you're putting in a you're putting in a team that's not going to be. I guess well, I, they wouldn't be a conference champ for one. So right. you're putting them in over an undefeated conference champ, a one loss non conference champ, but a power five. It just doesn't add up. And I guess the scenario where Alabama beats Georgia, you know, and that we've seen them do that before and get in. But again, it's really it would be bizarre. It, I think the outrage would be so huge. I don't think they would do it. I don't think the committee has the balls to screw over. FSU to help Alabama. And I know they've done Alabama favors in the past getting them in playoffs in scenarios like this. I can't see that happening though. So I think it's okay. But you know, there's that really slight, there's like that 1% chance where you're a little bit worried that that could happen. Don't dare them. I felt like a dare. That felt like an open <laughs> dare, Gene. Do it. Uh, do it, committee. I want to see you. No, I, I don't want to see him do that. That would be awful. I think, we, would, I think we'd, go, we'd go the UCF route, Ira, right? And still claim the national championship. <laughs> Yeah, I guess the thing is, like, you'd only – if Florida State had no good wins, then maybe. But Florida State's got some good wins. I mean, you know, uh, you know. again, you I still think – plural, though, Ira. I don't know if nationwide people feel the Duke win is all that great or the Clemson win is all that great. Well, how about and, Notre Dame believes it? You know, Ohio State's going to have to buy into that if they want to hang on to the Notre Dame thing. But if Michigan beats them, that kind of, you know, renders that point moot. It's just – yeah. At this point right now, Georgia and Alabama, if they're on a collision course, Georgia's going to have wins over Ole Miss, Tennessee. Both those teams are ranked in the top 15. Um, and if they were to lose like a one-possession game against Alabama and they'd won 28 out of their last 29 games, I mean, there's a possibility they could put both those teams in. I don't I don't think I'd agree with it over undefeated Power 5 champion. Um, but again, Florida State's not going to have any kind of signature win for the last eight weeks. Um, so that well, might be that kind of door that opens a jar. Well, here's one thing I would say. You can Mike Norvell likes to talk about control what you can control. Beat the crap out of Miami and Florida. You know, get some get some style points. Don't don't muddle your way through um and just kind of, you know, again, I, you can't always control that, but but if you can win in convincing fashion, there's motivation to do that because again, that just strengthens your case if you're just dismantling teams cuz look, the only reason Michigan looks good, it's not because of who they've beaten. It's because they've just destroyed these teams. They destroyed Nebraska. They destroyed Minnesota. So well, it's that reputation. Looks- it's reputation. They've been in the playoff oh. the last two years, so it's right. their brand yeah. and their reputation. But it's also the fact that they thrashed a bunch of these teams. 
that matters. I mean, I think that matters. If Florida State needs to look good in winning these games. Yeah, I guess that would be the scenario you worry about if they look bad and they muddle through and they somehow get it and you maybe open the door for something crazy to happen at the end. So I would be that. But it sounded like, Aslan, you were auditioning for the SEC network there, and I know you're playing the devil's advocate of all this <laughs> SEC. It's like I got annoyed on there. Like I forget one of the commentators was like when they put Missouri's ranking up and they dropped, like they shouldn't have dropped at all. They played Georgia. You know, it's mm. that quality loss thing, and the SEC drives me bananas. So it's just the same thing. Well, you played all these SEC teams, so you must be great. Um drives me nuts i'm sorry i mean we're not big on the acc but i mean there's some there's some decent teams in there duke's decent bc's obviously decent you know you're not going to get credit for those games but those are you know miami you know again it's unfortunate that well it's fortunate it's unfortunate that miami's suddenly decided to go on their skid they took a couple more weeks they did it later than they usually do but it looks like they're in their typical late season skid so the game may not mean a whole lot but yeah if you go out and my nightmares, you, well, not nightmare, you lose, but you you lose, you win 23-21 or something, and it just it looks sloppy, and people go, that's a horrible Miami team, and suddenly, yeah, that, it opens the door for the conversation. Yeah. That's a the, thing to worry about. The, uh, yeah, quote, quick, the, I don't know if Alabama has the resume this year. I mean, they, they've got wins over Ole Miss and Tennessee, and if they were to beat Georgia, they, you know, they win the conference, but they still have that one loss, but it, it'd be really hard to imagine them leaving an SEC champion out, but yeah, they, they do not have the – it has them in the murderer's row as it right. usually has been in the SEC. But at the same time, and they say, the ACC has just been so down. I mean, it, it's, there's a vacuum here that's been filled by one team for the last 15 years. I've been Florida State or Clemson, now it's Florida State again. But I guess if Louisville can win out, that gives you that one last sort of big moment. Like that. That's probably – that's the style point victory. Right, won, that would, though, be, right? Yeah. That would be top, that would top be eight, up. yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know, when Gene mentioned the quality SEC loss, I got shivers down my my neck. But I will say this: in a couple of years, if we're over there, we're gonna have to destroy these tapes. <laughs> we're gonna have to because we're gonna love the quality SEC loss at that yeah. point. We're gonna be all about the quality SEC loss. Shout out to our guy Don Rorick, fifty bucks in the jar. Totally not necessary, uh, but totally appreciated. Uh, and speaking of 50, again, 50% off an annual membership over at warchant.com this week. It's the big game special. Take advantage of that. Thanks so much, Don. We appreciate the heck out of you, man. He's always commenting on all the videos, always stirring up here on YouTube. We appreciate thanks, it. Don. Uh, thanks to Robbie Peppers, 10 bucks in the jar as well. There we go. I think we have the team with the most focus. Only way we lose is if we beat ourselves, go Knowles. I don't know if a lot of teams can say that, Gene, but that, that's pretty darn accurate, I feel like, here as we're uh, moving into November. Yeah, you look at the remaining slate, it's sure, again, if, a few weeks ago, I was really worried about Miami, the way they played. Obviously, even the losing to North Carolina and Clemson, I thought, man, they, they, they're they catching their stride. But Van Dyke looks like a shell of him, former self. He looks awful. And then Florida, you thought, you know, they're at least you go at home, they're really good. They're going to be tough to beat down in the swamp. And then after what I saw last week against Arkansas, it looks like they're – they're kind of cashing it in, too, and seem to have some key injuries hurting them as well. So you're, I think you're right. I think FSU – it's hard to imagine. Now, I still don't really know how good Louisville is. I, I gotta, I'll watch them. They're on Thursday night. Yep. Um, obviously, they're a pretty good team. It's odd that they lost to that pit. I, I don't know how that happened, how they lost the pit. They, they turned it over a bunch. Yeah. So that, that might legitimately be a really good team. I don't know enough. I think we'll know more after Thursday. We'll get a better look at them. But I'm a, obviously, you got to be a little concerned about that. I don't, I don't think there's any doubt at this point you're playing Louisville. They'd have to lose what both, both – both ACC games, I think, to open it up for somebody else. So it looks like it's FSU Louisville. And it's good for FSU. 
again, if they went out, there's no scenario where FSU beats them and they're not in. You're not going to beat a top seven, eight team, right? And be undefeated conference champion and not get in. So that, yeah, would, that's so you got, I guess, FSU fans, they really want to be careful. They got to be Louisville fans the next few weeks. Yeah, do exactly. You care, do you, I'm sorry, do you guys care where Florida State is ranked? I mean, I just want to be in the top four. I don't care yeah. one, two, three, or four. I'm pretty much the same way. There's no, none of those three teams look to me like different, like a whole different head and shoulders where you don't want to be matched up with that team. I mean, I guess Georgia theoretically um, just because of what they've been the last two years, but yeah, there's no team in that top four that I would be like, Oh, you don't want to be paired with them. And then yes, New Orleans would be great. I'd be happy with New Orleans. We know mm-hmm. Corey would be happy with New Orleans because he could drive, but Pasadena <laughs> doesn't suck. So I'd be fine with that too. It does I mean, for the fans. You hear all the people, they don't like going to that stadium kind of the fan experience I, is not the best. I, I get it, but man, it's just, I don't think it's the end of the world. I didn't like, I, and I guess it depends on who you play. Like if I wouldn't want to go out there and have to play Oregon Washington. Out there again, that's, yeah, you're playing that, a road game. Right. I, I don't want that. that so, I mean, that, that I wouldn't like, yeah. Selfishly. I think the fans, I think it's, you know, FSU's obviously been in New Orleans several times. I think it's a little easier for the logistically for the team, for the fans. Sure. So, I mean, I'd selfishly, I'd like to see that happen in terms of who they would play. I don't know. I guess I'd like to play the criminals, uh, you know, take him out before he goes on the NFL and Michigan's all the sanctions. I think that'd be kind of fun. <laughs> alleged. These are allegations. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Didn't I say that, Aslan? Did I say alleged? Maybe you mumbled it. I didn't ah, okay. It. All right, again, folks, so the top four has stayed the same. Let's look. Uh... Me. I don't want to mute me. Darn it. Don't mute any of us. We're here to we're here to talk, everybody. Uh, Ohio State, again, uh, beat Rutgers last week. Their quality wins, Notre Dame and Penn State. They were ninth and seventh, uh, but Notre Dame has dropped the 20th. Penn State, I think, was 11th or 10th. Georgia's remaining schedule, though, very impressive. They got their first ranked win of the season last week against Missouri between the hedges. Michigan, meanwhile, as you see there, no wins against any ranked teams, but that could probably change here in the coming soon. Number 11, Penn State, that was last week's ranking, and then number one, Ohio State. Florida State, meanwhile, you all know, 24-7 win over Pitt. Their key wins over LSU, 45-24. Was it 45-24? I put that in without even researching it. I just thought that was like right off the dome. You know they beat LSU. They also beat Duke. Remaining schedule, Miami, North Alabama, and Florida. Ultimately, it seems like all these schedules will probably be pretty evenly weighted uh, when the Dussels, maybe Georgia, would have the strongest case because they're ranked opponents. They're getting towards the end of their season, so maybe they end up being number one, then you're number four, and then at that point, you are probably in the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans. So those are the resumes of the teams in front of Florida State. Florida State, though, still controls their destiny, obviously. Just has to keep winning to make it to the playoff. Looking at those future schedules, again, I mean, it seems like Florida State, ultimately, their schedule will still probably hang tough with everybody that's kind of even in front of them right now at this point. I I don't think it will be this doomsday scenario where people will be able to manipulate the resumes to make it seem like Florida State hasn't done enough to be in the playoff if they win out basically. First of all, real quick on that graphic, Aslan, I liked when, when you first started talking, when you thought you're muted, you kind of had like the low pitched DJ voice. Yeah, what's and I on? like, I thought you know, with the music in the, I felt like you were, uh, you know, when they, when they talk over the music for a long, like uh, for a while, I, I was, uh, I was digging that vibe, man. You should yeah. uh, see if we can do that in the future. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, when you look at these remaining schedules, I mean, I think on paper, Michigan's probably got the toughest remaining schedule, um, of the team teams ahead of them. Um, because they have Penn State and Ohio State. 
But we don't know if Ohio, I mean, Penn State looks good every time they're playing anybody other than yeah. Michigan or Ohio. Ohio State. Yeah. So, yeah, so I don't know if that's a – like part – I'm just trying to figure out who could, who could get beat. And I really don't know. I mean, Ohio State – that Ohio State-Michigan game is a huge game. Um, but other than that, I don't know – I don't see, really I think, see any losses. You know, Gene mentioned it. Whoever the Big Ten champ plays, the Big the Big Ten East champ plays, Wisconsin or Iowa, like they're going to have the the worst showcase game of championship right. Saturday. Florida State will be playing Louisville. We think Georgia Alabama is a collision course. I think when it's all said and done, Georgia they control their destiny to get to that that number one spot. I think if Michigan were to beat Ohio State, I think even if Ohio State holds serve and stays at number one, beats Michigan in the Big House. I still think that last championship weekend playing a team like Iowa, probably Gene, and then seeing Georgia beat up on Alabama after they're coming off wins against Ole Miss, Tennessee, probably puts them at number one. And, you know, Florida State might find themselves at four still if Washington jumps them because they've had so many ranked wins here in the end of, end of November that, yeah, you end up in New Orleans, which is a win. Yeah, no, I, I could definitely see that happening. Again, it's just human nature. I think that what you see most recently becomes most relevant to you, um, which is why, you know, they forgot about LSU at the time and some of these other games for FSU. So, yeah, I think absolutely it's going to be, like you said, especially all the buzz Alabama's getting. It seems like Alabama's playing as good as anybody now. If you're the defending national championships and you beat them, you beat Saban, you know, a rising Saban team, right. you pull that off, boy, they're going to have all the buzz in the world where, yeah, going out against Iowa and that offensive juggernaut, if you end up playing them in the Big Ten championship, I mean, does anybody even watch that game? Um, so, yeah, I think that'll help in terms of that. Um, but, again, it's it's hard for me to imagine. We've never seen this, Ira, where we've had, like, all these teams go undefeated. Yeah. It's, like, yeah. never happened before. So, it's still have a hard time, but there's not going to be an upset. But you look at those remaining things, you go, eh, mm. you know, maybe Michigan loses to Penn State or something. You know, it's maybe that'll happen, but – other than that, man, I don't know this Alabama trip against Ole Miss. I know Aslan, you said you didn't think they matched up very well. Yeah, um, Georgia's got Ole Miss, but you know they got to go to Knoxville. And I mean, Joe Milton hasn't looked great, but they could maybe pull the rabbit out the hat and, and make Georgia run around the field for sixty minutes maybe. and earn it, and they could maybe sneak past them. So I definitely, a- I'm sorry, I, I definitely would feel better if somebody, one or two of these other teams lose, just because I do worry that I'm not convinced Louisville is going to get to the AC Championship game. I wouldn't be surprised if they lose. Uh, to Miami, and I still think that, they're good though. Ira, I think they, they no, they'd have to lose twice. Ira, right? Yeah, they'd have, they to, have to lose Virginia twice Thursday as well. Yeah, they're playing. Uh, so they got Virginia. First of all, they're playing Virginia at home Thursday. They're not losing to Virginia at home. Probably not Thursday night. So they, Miami, not. I think two losses with Miami. I think they're. Still but if they if so, if they win Thursday, they're definitely in. I think. I Man, mean, there's, I just a, there's a bunch of like, there's just a bunch of two loss teams. I'm pulling up the standings right now. Yeah, yeah, let's look um, at that. I, I just assumed they were in. I, when I looked yeah, the other day, there's a bunch of two-loss teams. Yeah, Georgia Tech and North Carolina lurking. But who have they played? Haven't they played? First of all, Georgia Tech's not going. They're going to lose again. Carolina, did they play Carolina? And Beast? Georgia Tech's Carolina? got, they've got to play at Clemson. Yeah, they got Clemson this weekend in Death Valley, and then they got yeah. Syracuse. So they're, yeah, they're, they're probably not going to be there. North Carolina has Duke at Clemson at NC State remaining. And then again, as Gina's pointed out, Louisville's got Virginia this week, Thursday, in Cardinal State. And then they got to go at Miami. They finished their season against Kentucky. That's obviously an SEC team, so that doesn't have a lot of bearing on So I guess Carolina would be the one, but I don't know what the tire. Okay, so I guess I didn't realize that. So I guess Carolina would be the one that might be a possibility, If, but I I don't know what that tiebreaker would be. 
Yeah. So that's that's what I'm saying. I just you really you'd like it to be Louisville. Um, and and I don't you know and again like you were saying I don't I think Louisville's a decent team. I think they're a decent they're a good team, but I don't think it, it would be great if you could play them as a number eight nationally, but they're mm-hmm. not probably one of the you know a th- a major threat. You see the last two games, Ira. I mean, they've been they pummeled Duke and Virginia Tech the last two weeks. I do think uh, – no, you're right. I do think the crowd would be awesome for Florida State if they played Louisville. I mean, I think the I think Charlotte would be – Yeah. Um, I think it would be a huge FSU crowd um, if they're not playing as a team from Carolina. Yep. All yeah, right, I, don't think would, I don't think we'd want to play just hypothetically. I think you'd rather play Louisville than North Carolina, right, Ira? Because that might be the one team that could keep up in a shootout with Florida State. You get a little nervous about that. Yeah, I was kind of – ambiguous or uh, I guess ambivalent tour uh, ambivalence, the right word um, uh, about who they played, but no, Jeff and Corey convinced me that last week on headlines that, yeah, you just don't want to, you don't want to play a great quarterback and may is ostensibly a great quarterback. So that makes sense. Yeah. Maybe Boston college sneaks in there. How about that? I don't know. I don't want to see Castellanos again. I have that guy gave me headaches. (laughs) So Aslan, you pay more attention to Louisville or some of these other teams than I do. So Scott Satterfield leaving was just a great thing for them because, like, I don't they wouldn't be here if he had stayed, right? Oh, clearly no. And and Cincinnati fans already want to get rid of him. Uh, <laughs> which awesome. He somehow landed that job, which in some circles might be seen as like an upgrade over Louisville. Yeah, uh, yeah it's crazy. Oh, yeah, Louisville's in love. I mean, Brahms, a, he's Brahms, went he's to high school in Louisville, born and raised in Louisville, played football there. So he's a good coach. Thankfully, there's not a week off between the final week of the season and that championship game because. He's got a really ridiculous record, I think, coming off of a bye week. But you don't have to worry about that because he's going to play you uh, right as soon as he turns around and plays an emotional, probably physical game against Kentucky. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, Florida State, that'll be their ninth straight game in Charlotte. So, um, you know, that could be a little tricky for them. But again, you know, just, just win. Just win. Control you can control. All right, on the way out, any last thoughts, Gene? Again, the, the poll has held steady here. It's still Ohio State 1, Georgia 2. Michigan three, Florida State four. Uh, Ohio State has a manageable game this week. Uh, Michigan's got Penn State. Georgia's got Ole Miss at home. Florida State obviously has Miami. Any sort of thoughts here as we uh, look and turn the page uh, past this second reveal? I said it last week, and I'm, I'm not quite as confident, but I'm going to say it again. Something wacky is going to happen the next few weeks here. Somebody's going to get upset. Something's going to throw it off because it just – you don't have this many undefeated teams. It just has never happened. This may be the aberration. It may be the one time, but I think something, somebody's going to lose out of left field. It's going to throw all the stuff out of whack. It's going to get a team like Alabama and some of these one loss teams are going to get right back in the thick of things. So Ole Miss is at Georgia. Yes. Yeah, man, that's not, yeah, I'm not, not good. I, I thought maybe we're going to go to Knoxville uh, following week though. So who knows? Yeah. But yeah, I still, it's going to look pretty good. Uh, any final thoughts from you, Ira? Again, as uh, things have held serve here, Florida State number four in the college football playoff poll. No, nah, if I had to pick one of those teams that I might, uh, if I, if there is something crazy that happens, because I agree with G, just historically something happens. Like everybody doesn't cruise in. You obviously you hope it doesn't uh, involve the team we're playing. I I think, man, at some point one day Penn State's going to win a big game. Maybe they knock up at Michigan. So that's uh, if I had to pick one crazy development, I picked that before I picked Georgia losing to Tennessee. I just don't have any faith in Tennessee. Yeah, hey, I mean, maybe the big, yeah, Big Ten refs might be able to make make this easy for everybody involved if Michigan yeah. goes ahead and loses now, right? So, right. but they're a five point favorite in Happy Valley for whatever that's worth, everybody. So, take that for what it is worth. 
All right. Thanks for being here, everybody. We really appreciate it. Hit that thumbs up on the way out. Subscribe to warchant.com. If you don't know, now you do know. The big game special, again, 50% off your first year. If you're a first-time subscriber, no promo code needed. Just go over to warchant.com. Hit that neon green banner, sign up, and save 50% off an annual membership. we got plenty of stuff going on over at warchant.com. Jeff Cameron Show coming up 1 to 3 o'clock on your Wednesday afternoon. We'll have Wake Up War Chant there for you as well. And then Thursday live show, Corey and myself, Michael Langson making a cameo too to talk about recruiting. Big recruiting weekend. All that over at warchant.com. For Gene Williams, the founder and administrator of warchant.com and managing editor Irish OFL, I'm Aslan Hudgevani. Thanks so much for watching the warchant.com college football reveal. That is a wrap. Thanks for hanging tough. No, that was a long show, but hopefully you looked at the show notes and you could have jumped around and gotten to what you wanted to listen to. But uh, thanks to Matt Shodell. Thanks to Ira. Thanks to Gene Williams. Uh, Jeff Cameron show one to three o'clock. Uh, and then we'll be at practice even before that. So observations, interviews, all that over at warchant.com. Subscribe to warchant.com. Take advantage, everybody. The big game special, 50% off an annual membership for first-time subscribers. I mean, you know what's all out there, hopefully. You know what we do at warchant.com. Come home. We've been waiting for you. The lights have been on this entire time. So do it. Live show Thursday. Mailbag tomorrow. That'll be your Thursday show. Live show Thursday. That'll be your Friday podcast. It just don't stop, y'all. Number four team in the country. Let's go. Miami week. Feel it in your bones. Woo! For Corey Maslow, thanks for listening to Wake Up War Champ presented by the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill.